Chris, starting in the SEC East, is, is there anything that's been missed on Florida and Georgia with all the kind of build up to that being the battle in the Eastern Division this this offseason? I really believe that what's being missed is, is that Missouri has a chance to kind of be the breakout team of 2019 in the East. Um, Kentucky was that team last year. People were kind of sleeping on the Wildcats. I think that might be what's taking place in Como this year as well. Kelly Bryant comes in to fill the shoes of Drew Locke after starting for four years for them. Um, the NCAA postseason ban, I think it's kind of galvanized that team a little bit where you've seen the commitment of players that could have transferred deciding to stay and, and play for Barry Odom. And uh, you look at you know, the, the offensive and defensive lines, that's what it takes to be successful in this conference. And I look back at that Georgia game last year, the first half, Missouri ran the ball right down Georgia's defense, and uh, you know they returned the majority of that offensive line. I think they got a chance to, to be really, really good on both sides of the ball. And you look at the schedule, it's one of the more manageable schedules in this conference. I think they really have a chance to be 8-0 uh, when they face Georgia in that ninth game of the season. And with Kelly Bryant coming in, what do you think of him as a player and how he fits in with what they might want to do offensively at Missouri? I mean, what a luxury to have when you, you lose your four-year starter and you get a guy like, uh, like uh, Kelly Bryant drop into your lap. You know, I think Derek Dooley has shown that he's, he's a guy that's not afraid to do things in different ways. He took some of the concepts that, that Drew Locke liked in Josh Heupel's offense, integrated that into what he wanted to do, and played to the strengths of his roster. I think you'll see a lot of that, too. I think you'll take some of the things that Kelly did well in Clemson's offense and integrate it into what Derek Dooley's done last year in, in, uh, in Columbia. So um, I am excited about that, and not to mention the fact that the receivers are really, really good. There's a lot of young guys that had to play probably before they were ready. Jalen Knox returns. So um, it, it has a chance to be an explosive offense that um, will be a nice nice compliment to what I expect to be a pretty good defense. I want to ask you about Tennessee, which is in the next year or two hoping to get to a level where Florida, Georgia have been, maybe where Missouri is. What have you learned about Jeremy Pruitt as a head coach in the first year? What questions do you still have remaining entering this year? It was interesting last year. That was one of the storylines of media days was uh, some of the criticism that Jeremy Pruitt was getting and uh, some questioning of what um, he was going to be like as a head coach at, at Tennessee. I thought he came in and changed the culture immediately. You know, it was a, a, a program that needed accountability. They needed a little bit more discipline, and uh, he implemented that to the – uh, chagrin of some of the, the players on the team that um, maybe weren't buying into it, but he, I think he, he, he got some of those folks out of there and, and really now has created an expectation in Knoxville. And, and the thing that I, I look at, they've got to upgrade the offensive defensive lines, but I love Jared Garantano, his toughness, his willingness to kind of stand in there and, and keep getting up after getting knocked down. And the, uh, the, the real strength of that team is the wide receiver position. And those guys in Callaway and Jennings, and, and uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about um, watching what Jim Chaney can do in, in, in helping kind of Garantano and that offense as a whole take that next step. The one thing uh, I want to see, can that offensive line play with a little bit more consistency, a little more physicality than what they did last year. Yeah, talking to Chris Doring with the SEC Network, uh, and factor in the offensive line as much as you want to, what do you think is the potential of Tennessee's offense this year with Jim Chaney now as the OC? Yeah, I mean, I think it really comes down to the offensive line, and I hate to, to speak in, in terms of uh, coach speak, but that, that's what it is. I mean, you, you got a great group of running backs, you got a really talented, productive group of wide receivers, but if you can't protect, if you can't open up some, some holes for those guys to run, it's going to be a long season. So, um, you know, I, I expect maybe some improvement from some of the bumps and bruises they took last year on the offensive line. 
but they, they still got to get a lot more physical and a lot more consistent for me to really believe that they're going to, um, you know, amp themselves up into one of the top offenses in the conference. Well, isn't that amplified because of the teams they play? What you said about Missouri, you know what Alabama and Georgia are going to have, yeah. Florida plans to have it, right? I mean, and that's why it's so important. It, it, this is an all, it, it's another one of those things coaches say a lot, but it's a line of scrimmage league. You know, you, you have to build your team on the offensive and defensive lines. you got to be more physical. And I think if there's one criticism of, of – um, what Tennessee has been about the last couple of years, it's, it's been soft on the offensive and defensive lines. And so I know that's a point of contention for a guy like Jeremy Pruitt, who's an old school coach that um, you know comes from a, uh, a background where they're going to play with the, a high level of physicality. And I think that's something that they're obviously trying to upgrade both through recruiting and, and player development, the strength and conditioning program, and also mental, the, the mental approach as well. You played at Florida when Tennessee and Florida was a, a huge game yeah. that really mattered every year. What, what does Florida think about Tennessee right now? While Florida's got its eyes on Georgia, right, to try to win the East for the most part, how is that rivalry, as best you can tell, kind of viewed in Gainesville right now? I, I hate to say it because it was one of my favorite games on the schedule when I was a player, but it's lost some luster. I mean, the resurgence of Georgia um, as one of the top games on the schedule. Florida State will always be right there. But LSU has become, you know, a, a, probably one of the most hated rivals on the Florida schedule now. So I, I think that, um, you know, Tennessee, it, it, in order for a rivalry to exist, it has to have some, some back and forth. And, and I know Tennessee won a couple seasons ago, but clearly the, the um, advantage has been in Florida's favor. So, um, you know, I don't think fans really understand. The newer fans don't understand the history of, of how that, that rivalry kind of popped up out of nowhere when the divisions were, were separated in 1992. What did that rivalry mean to Steve Spurrier? Here's a guy that's from Tennessee that um, you know grew up in, in the shadows of, of that program and, and, and Coach Neeland and and uh, you know for him to kind of get out of that state, I, I think was something that that didn't sit well with Tennessee fans. And then um, you know I remember how special it was for him when we'd take the trip up to Knoxville and and listening to some of his experiences as a uh, as a kid in that state and and. Um, you know, understanding how much Tennessee football means to those fans in that state. So, you know, it, it was fun to be a part of that. Um, you know, I remember going up there in 1992, uh, back when they had the, the, the turf, and um, it was a deluge. I'm on the sideline, the water is up to my knees, and uh, he Schuler's running and throwing all over us. And, uh, you know, we, we actually, on the trip home, we're flying, and about uh, 30 minutes into the flight, they're passing out our, our meals. We're eating. All of a sudden, the air masks drop down, and, and smoke starts coming out of the uh, the, uh, the vents, and we have to start diving down. We lost pressure in the cab and had to make an emergency landing in, uh, in Atlanta. Some of the guys never flew again. Ellis Johnson, one of our big defensive linemen, he would drive with the equipment truck every uh, game when we go on the road. Is so, that right? Yeah, it was a. It, I got off tangent here, but it was one yeah. of the things that stands out in my mind. It was a bad day on the field and an even worse day off the field for us that day. Yeah, how about that? Chris Doring, former Florida wide receiver, now with the SEC Network. What about Florida now? Year two, Dan Mullen, expectations go up, right? What, what do you think about what you see or, or know about the Gators right yeah, now? I mean, you know, I think a lot of people felt like that, that team at four and seven – played well below their capabilities, and I think that uh, Dan Mullen came in and got a roster that he largely didn't recruit to buy into what the expectation level was of the Gator standard. And the fact that, that there were a lot of holes on that roster, that he you know, played around, played to the strengths, minimized the deficiencies. They won a lot of close games, and I think um, a lot of that's due to the, 
the um, the mental buy-in of the team, but I also think it has a lot to do with what Nick Savage, the offense, or excuse me, the uh, strength and conditioning coordinator, did for that program in terms of changing their bodies and changing their mental toughness. So, um, you know, if there's one thing that Florida fans do well, it's um, they let their expectation level get really high, really, really quick. So, my one fear is is can Florida. Um, you know, is it a situation where they had too much success too soon? Winning 10 games in year number one sets the bar pretty high, and Florida fans are uh, expecting to get back to Atlanta, which you know, for Florida's program should be the norm, should be the expectation level every year. And um, you know, my, my question is, with as challenging as this schedule is, drawing Auburn and LSU from the West, adding Miami at the front end of your schedule, um, they may be a better team, and the, the win-loss record might, may not necessarily reflect that. All right, Chris Doring, you're everywhere, right? SEC Network, SiriusXM. What, yeah. what should people know about this upcoming year? Yeah, man, I think it's um, it's, a, it's the upcoming year. The theme for me is quarterbacks. We're going to have nine of them here representing yeah. their schools, a couple transfers, and Tommy Stevens to Mississippi State and, and Ben Hicks uh, from, from Chad Morse's former school at SMU. Um, it's kind of cyclical in this league. You know, some years you're going into the year like last year with a ton of quarterback battles. This year, it seems like we know a lot more about the offenses and, and who will be the signal callers for each of those schools. So uh, that, that you know, as an offensive guy, it leads me to, to optimistically uh, think that we're going to have some, some fireworks offensively this year in the conference. Transfer, by the way, has been like the key word of the offseason, hasn't it? Transfer, transfer portal. Do you have any big thoughts on what we've seen the last few months? I'm all for allowing players to have the, the right to, to go where they, they want to go and play. At the same time, I think this was uh, an airplane that's being constructed while it's in the air. There's a lot of things that necessarily hadn't been well thought out. So, uh, you know, I hope that there's a way to find some balance um, because I do believe there needs to be a, a level of commitment on the player's side. But at the same time, um, you know, I think there are things that need to be done to allow, if you, if you complete your degree, if you, if you do the things you came there to commit to do, that you have an opportunity to go elsewhere. So uh, I don't have all the answers, but I do still think there needs to be some tweaking to, uh, to really get that, that uh, transfer portal thing right. Good stuff, Chris. Thanks so much for the yeah, time. Great to be with you. Thanks.